Dear Diary, it's me, Abigail. Just another day of accusing women of being witches in my town and, well, watching John, of course. I wish I could do something about that goody Proctor. Well, I guess there is something I can do. That was the Salem witch trial. Well, it was also the Crucible, but. And this is God Fellows. Uh, hey, hey, Hannah, what, what's going on? Nothing, I'm doing the intro for uh, Christian Girl Autumn. No, it's fine, I get that. The, 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 this is the, the song. Yeah, I know, but it's just one week. I thought it'd be okay. And, you know, it, it's not though because it's the God Fellows theme song. I don't want people to think they're listening to the wrong show. No, but it's Christian Girl Autumn, and we should include special okay, music. Roll the, clip. roll the song, roll no, the song. No, yep. no, no. Mm-hmm. Roll the song. No, you got it. What? Yeah, you got it. Welcome to God Bellas, the small group that meets online. I'm Miss Hannah. I'm. Oh, I forgot what they called oh. themselves back in uh, the the days no, of the Salem Witch Trial. I don't know. I'm Sir Zach. Let's I'm say Goody. That. I'm Goody. There Furman, you go. I guess it's last name. I guess I'm just Zach. Yeah. Then. <laughs> I'm Reverend. No, I'm not a Reverend. I won't. I Judge won't say Zach. That. Judge Zach. Sure, we can go with that. Um, he's a witch. Yeah, he's, he's a witch. <laughs> Um, and today, I mean, we kind of already gave some clues. We are talking about all sorts of things. We're talking about mostly the crucible, um, both the play and the movie, as well as these Salem witch trials. We are in our third week of Christian girl autumn. And we thought what better than to talk about (laughs) both Abigail Williams and Elizabeth Proctor themselves, right? We are joined today by two absolutely wonderful, amazing, very talented guests. The first one, you know her, you met her, you love the Green Knight episode. Please welcome back Miss Kate McGonagall. Hello, hello. <laughs> and our other guest today is a very awesome, talented friend of ours. Um, I've been to school with her. I know Zach's worked with her in the past before, so we both know. We've also both worked with her, actually. Uh, Godspell 2018. What and 2017 what? for me. Well, not Godspell. That was just cast. Please welcome Miss <laughs> Sky Labussy. I don't know what to do. Hi. Know, it's okay. <laughs> welcome. Thank you both so much for joining us today. We When we brought up the idea of doing the Crucible, I think you were... The, the two names that came to mind is like we want both of them on this episode because we think it would just be great yeah i okay. think i i said well it's like when you said when you went to uh norway and everybody was like uh telling you you're an american you love et and you're like i've never seen it and you're like no no no, you love et <laughs> yeah. i felt that way with uh, with kate a little bit because i was like oh you're a writer you love the crucible and she was like i, I haven't read it and i was like no you love you love this show <laughs> Yep. Yeah, that's how I feel. But like, uh, we're all theater people. We love the Crucible. We love we it. Lo- <laughs> I feel like that's a common thing. Like, I mean, 
Well, when we were doing ISP, Chris was like, if you could think of any other shows, and this was like right when that was, before it was even like international Shakespeare players. He was like, if you could think of any other shows that we should do, I just blurted out the crucible and everyone was like, yep, yep, that's the one. And I wonder if it's because most people have had to read it in high school and they're like familiar with it. But yeah, yeah. That's how I read it. I read it in high school. Fun yeah. fact, didn't read it in high school, wasn't assigned in any curriculum in any of my studies. I don't know why. <laughs> wow. It's, yeah. it's a little creepy, though, so I understand. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, is it creepier than than The Great Gatsby? Exactly. Yes. I found The Great Gatsby to be very unsettling. <laughs> Me too. As a sophomore in high school, <laughs> yeah. very, very... Very unsettling, very dystopian. Yeah, that's, I think I read The Crucible and The Great Gatsby in the same English class, like Oof. the same year, 11th grade. Wow. That's when we did those. How was your mental health that year? Like, <laughs> I feel like a lot of books and stuff that you read in high school English is depressing. Like oh, yeah. every single one. I yes. read The Kite Runner and yep. oh, yeah. yep. there was another one with about suicide. I was like, we should not be reading this. Not now. <laughs> <laughs> like young, yeah, reading. young minds reading. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I'm glad I read certain texts when I did, but I almost wish maybe it was introduced later. I mean, Sky, I don't know about you. Sky and I went to the same college, but like my English classes in college were a lot more. Um, I don't know. Sorry, Doctor Straight. I really, I really did appreciate your English class, but I don't think I thought of it as 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 deeply as I did maybe in a high school English ses- uh, setting. Just because some it's like some of the English classes were like more essay driven. And then you got to the one that you like really had to meet. We had prerequisite classes. So like, or, uh, you know, required general education classes. And like that, the last one was more text driven. So I, I, you know, I almost wish I had some of those then because I feel like now at least approaching, especially the crucible, I'm like, yeah, I I definitely feel like I'm getting it more when like senior year when I read like Crime and Punishment and the Poisonwood Bible. Did I like them? Yeah. Did I know what they were about? No, no not really. <laughs> but, but they were great. Yeah. Before we approached you both about this idea of talking about this on the podcast, what did we think of the Crucible from our general life experiences when we were introduced to it? Did we like this play? Did we not like it? Um. Sky, how about you start? What did you think of this? Um, yeah, so I read this play in high school, and uh, like our teacher told us a little bit about the Salem witch trials, and it's like a metaphor for the Red Scare, like everybody accusing people of communism, of communism. And I was like, okay, interesting. And then like we started reading it, and it like really scared me. <laughs> like it freaked me out. I was like, I don't like this. I don't like this. And like, I remember like sometimes we would read it aloud as a play. And I think like for a little bit, I would just kind of sit there and cover my ears because <laughs> I was so scared to hear the story. And then just the further along it got, I just, I, I really fell in love with the characters and, and just the concept of like standing up for what's right. Um, even if it means giving up your life, you know, and, and taking a stand and being strong in that. So I ended up liking it. And then at the end of like that English year, I was like, that was my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I listened. Yeah. (laughs) My hands off of my ears. (laughs) I really like how you um, brought in the whole theme of 
integrity of like, you know, standing up for what's right because it's right. Because I think that oftentimes you can get so caught up in how sad the ending is that like a good theme of it like comes into play. Um, so I just thank you for, I think, planting that in our minds before we get deeper into conversation. Um, and Kate, what about you? Yeah, so I, I love that I have a different perspective because I literally encountered the crucible last week. Um, <laughs> cause no, I had not read it ironically, as I said, and, um, hadn't even seen the, the film. Um, so I'm coming at it very fresh. And so maybe it's, I don't know if that's for better or for worse, but, um, I find it interesting because I always try to, when analyzing a play, I always try to think about what, as, as kind of you were saying, Sky, um, and what we've been talking about like earlier in this conversation, themes outside of what Wikipedia articles say the play is about or what English class curriculum say it's about. Um, so I actually found it, I liked and disliked it. There are elements of it that I felt were um, a little bit unsavory just in terms mm. of the character of Tichuba. Definitely want to spend time talking about that. Um, I know definitely thinking about the time period um, and the the population of enslaved individuals at the time. I can see where Arthur Miller was trying to maybe bring that in. Um, I found that to be a little bit kind of distracting, especially because I know something I've been reading lately is, is how a lot of in like early literature, black characters are often um, classified as the magical person. And so I really dislike the fact that Tichiba immediately was associated with the witch character or the one who was bringing the, the devil in. Um, so there are elements of it that I was uncomfortable with. Um, we can get into that later. But I think what I found really interesting about it was um, how much it actually says about the mob mentality and how, how kind of throughout the whole play you start to you question and like the truth of everything and how one word and one pointed finger can completely change someone's opinion or perspective and how easy how like easily that can happen um so for me that's what i found actually more more interesting from the larger perspective was just thinking about how a community can disintegrate because of one interpretation of a situation mm. um and so i liked it for that reason where i think mm. it's like so little literature really looks at a whole community um so so many of these texts that that we've talked about and we love and we perform are really about individual characters or like um you know two lovers or a family and this is like a whole community and so i really loved how um it's, it did, I think it spanned the whole community really, really well. Um, so I'm trying to make this a nutshell response. <laughs> so I would say liked it and disliked it. If I can be on both sides of the fence. Yeah, of course, please be on both sides. We want as many different opinions as possible. Um, Zachary. Yeah. So my sister is five years older than me and she really, really got into this. And would like rent the movie all the time from Blockbuster Video, which is a very old fashioned uh, <laughs> sentence. But she would rent it all the time and like just watch it in the family room. And the as like 1996 film. Yeah. Yeah. The Daniel Day Winona Ryder. And as like a kid, I would kind of like kind of peek out. And I guess I was like 10 or whatever. 
and I'd seen things like, you know, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars or whatever by that point. But I remember watching that and kind of going, oh, this is like scary. And my sister going like, it's also real. So there was kind of that sense where I think I spent like all of middle school, like being like, I can't wait to get to high school and like read this, the crucible play that like, I've heard so much that we're going to read about. And then like reading it, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, but it was kind of like, it was kind of like going to your own birthday party and watching everybody else like blow out your candles and eat your cake because we were reading it. But of course my 10th grade English class is filled with like dudes who, you know, don't want to be there. So when the teacher has you reading them like a play, you have guys who are saying these lines that are supposed to be passionate, just going like, you know, there is either obedience or the church will burn like hell is burning. And I'm like, oh. uh, but I also don't want to be the weirdo who's like really going for it and stuff. So it was, it was like very conflicting because I was like, because I'm reading it and I'm like, I really like this, but I don't want to be the weird one. Whereas now I'm, you know, like whatever, I, I know who I am now, but 15 year olds, they have weak psyches and, and stuff like that. So, but then I feel like, being able to revisit it in my adulthood, there's so much that I love and there's so much that I kind of like, I enjoy not, even though my teacher was amazing in 10th grade with teaching this, I also really like being able to look at it now through like my lens and the lens of other people who I've spoken to and other people who have, you know, not experienced being accused of like a witch, but like other similar things of like, you know, I've witnessed mob mentality like this or, or things like that. So just being able to like talk it out in not a classroom setting has been like dope. Yeah. Yeah. I loved reading this in school. I'm, I've talked about this so many times on the pod. I love sociology and just love analyzing people why they make their decisions in a social capacity. And so like Abigail Williams is maybe my favorite villain of all time because I'm so <laughs> fascinated by how awful she is. Yes. Like she's the worst. I have a I have to make I have to make a quick confession really quick. So uh Sky last year Hannah and I we were like just for fun doing like our dream casting of the crucible. Yeah. But we were like the rule is only actors we know and we've worked with and both uh -huh. of us right at the top were like, well, who could do Abigail Williams? And right away, we're like, oh, Sky could do Sky, it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know what? I love playing the villain. So, yeah. which Sky is very well. Sky is delightful, well, by the way. But I'm still a liar. I'm just a bad <laughs> There's also like there was a great meme going around TikTok last fall of this guy who would dress in like pilgrim wear and put on like a wig and just like pretend to be Abigail like doing really awful stuff like dear diary um it's Abigail another day of hurting people ha 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 like and it was just so funny if you it's, it's incredible and i i think there's like there's some sort of I, I i don't know if it's everywhere but at least in in the people who are like watching those videos some sort of like agreement of like yes i love to hate abigail there's something about her that you just love to hate and i'm the same way i mean looking into this idea of someone who just like is so desperate for 
I guess to be like this unrequited love, but also so desperate for attention, so desperate to be at the center of it all, both, I guess, in her romantic life and in her town setting that she's just like, she literally murders people by making up lies about them. Like, it's like, well, association of murder, but like, oh, sorry, I'm thinking, I'm, oh, we'll get into it, but I'm thinking about something else with her oh, character. Yeah. I just realized another theme maybe, but yeah. yeah. And I think my theme approaching, I think we all have come in with different ideas of what we get from it. And I love that um, is like, especially watching it this last time, I think or watching the film and reading through the script, but especially when we were rewatching the film, like the idea of people abusing religion to get what they want and how wrong that is, you know, like, you know, where we see and how I think, uh, you know, Sky mentioned this, I uh, like Arthur Miller wrote this about the red scare, but the theme of like accusing people wrongly is so relevant to so many things throughout time. It's a timeless theme. And I think there's so much you can take away. I, socially, I'm like all in. I'm like, I'm here for it. I, <laughs> I love talking about this. Um, were you going to say something? I mean, it's it's more something that I think we'll get into when we talk about Abigail Williams. But I'm yeah. kind of like I'm I'm thinking a little more about her. I mean, do we want to get into it? Because it's yeah, like, it's kind of a whole. Say, <laughs> sorry, it's kind of a whole thing. But yeah, let's, oh wait, what's the sting? What's the uh, saddle up your saddle. horses? Yeah. <laughs> so my thing, I'm thinking about Abigail Williams, and when you talked about her as a villain, I I was kind of. I'm kind of sitting here thinking like, cause I feel like I've seen Winona Ryder's like fantastic performance and because like her dialogue is just so like good and, and chilling. I was almost kind of ready to go like, but is the, is the play fair to the character of Abigail Williams? You know, like why does she do what we do? And like, not even why does she do what she do? Like we get it. She wants John Proctor back kind of, but why is she, why does she go so hard into what she's doing? And then I started thinking about it. She gets a line, which is not a throwaway line, but she gets it, you know, which is also a little like, you know, racist, but she goes, I saw Indians bash my parents' heads and then stuff. So then I'm thinking like, is she, and I don't know if this is Arthur Miller's intention and I intention. And I think this is probably me bringing a lot to it is Abigail, like kind of, a metaphor for unresolved trauma because we know the time period they wouldn't have like had counseling with her or, like talked through what she'd seen they'd be like you're so blessed to be alive your parents are probably sinners so you know i'm kind of i still think even though the character is so well written she's not a hundred percent flushed out mm-hmm. she also doesn't need to be i guess but it i'm kind of like i don't know like it, it's intriguing and i wonder if like other people have had that reading yeah. of you know, like that. Yeah. I think, you know, thinking about where, given the fact that she is a teenager and thinking about that space of adolescence um, and thinking about like what it would be like to live in that early community, a very colonialist community, right. Um, Where uh, the, the settlement itself has been founded upon literally eradicating native peoples Um, so literally the settlement itself is founded in a space of trauma, inherited trauma. Um, but then just being an adolescent who has a romantic entanglement with a much older married man who is making certain promises. And I think that's, that's part of what I found captivating from the film's perspective with Winona, where she's literally like, you, you, I knew that you loved me in that moment that you looked at me and, there's a sense of, you know, thinking back to when we were 16 and 17, how 
experiences with first love felt so total and so big and so like encompassing and to have that as you were saying zach um kind of upon a history of unresolved trauma of violence um i think it, it totally makes sense that it would come out in the ways that it comes out or just just to have it be where um you know she's seen these standards for violence that are really aggressive um and and then to also have uh a person established person within this community basically not be truthful to her or to you know take back his earlier statements of love or actions of love um it kind of calls into question everything that's in her universe of what actually is true and what actually is fair and what actually is permanent and lasting um so yeah i think i think we can really empathize with her i think that winona really takes the hysteria aspect of it to a very tall height <laughs> i was just like at one point i was like they're just all screaming and wailing at each other <laughs> that's like all it is yeah. for hours <laughs> two hours of screaming <laughs> two hours of screaming. anyways um I'm not sure if there was a clear point in there, but no, I got, I got it. Yeah. Sky being that you're going to play Abigail Williams and <laughs> Hannah and my production yes. in our immersive theatrical it. production of the crucible. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I, I can understand, I guess a little bit of her actions, although her actions are extreme. Um, you know, she doesn't grow up with parents to guide her either. And, um, and in that she kind of just takes on this leadership position of like being the, I guess the parent to the other girls and, and her morals are totally skewed. Mm. I, I was watching, I watched the movie and, um, the part where they start hanging everybody and she's just like in the front crowd, she's like, like, she's watching a movie that's like so entertaining and she's like, oh my gosh, this is yeah. so exciting. And maybe that has to do with like seeing her parents getting murdered and now she's like desensitized to it or something or, but like, yeah, she's a very mm. complex character that is so evil that it's like, you can understand, I guess, where she's coming from, but it's also like unacceptable. <laughs> I think something too uh, about it. And we talked about this watching it and Kate, you, you mentioned it like about realizing the age difference between john and abigail and especially being in the like position of power that like she was like there i don't know i don't know what the official term is she like worked she, around like, the worked house for, for them, them yeah. but it was it, yeah it, 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 it was weird those and are weird times those puritans i think that totally plays into the actions because you also think like she's so evil and so maniacal but also she she's a teenager like like where does this come from like of that yeah i think this whole idea of desensitization like she's desensitized and she's seen all this and but also to the point where she literally wants elizabeth dead like she wants this woman dead to think like where she got there where she says in the play like quite literally i know how you clutched my back behind your house and sweated like a stallion whenever i come near and not realizing how sexual that was in high school reading it yeah. and now being like oh my gosh like <laughs> yeah. that is very very um overt like she like yeah. just calls it out with him right away she's like hey um remember this like <laughs> yeah. just 
Sky, I liked I liked the point you made about her becoming like the mother figure of the group of girls. That's interesting. I hadn't like I thought of it as her leader, but like I never really thought of it as like yeah, that's that's really interesting to to like consider. I think it's interesting too, like how quickly the girls copy her or just like jump in on exactly what she's doing. It's like a kid copying their mom. It's like, oh, my mom's doing that, so it's okay for me to do the same thing. And I feel like that's kind of how her relationship was with the girls. Like she just kind of took on that role. And then as soon as like when she was talking about Mary um, and making up that lie that Mary was now sending out her spirit to attack them. She's like, there's a yellow bird on, on the, whatever it was, the, the ledge or the something. Beam? The yeah, beam? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh my gosh, that, yeah, there it is. And, and it, they immediately jumped on it so quickly, just like a kid would copy one of like their parent when they're like yeah. very little. Yeah. I think it does say something about like the strength of being in groups. Cause I, especially when you're a teenager, cause I remember like, I was not an especially confident like youngster, but if I was surrounded by like a group of guys that were like more confident and more bold and like whatever they were doing, then all of a sudden I felt like I could borrow some of that. And so I think that because, you know, Abigail is so like strong and confident in what she wants, the other girls are like, well, I don't know what I want, but she seems to really have it together. And I want that, you know, like, I think it's like the, I wouldn't go as far as saying the lust for power, but like the craving of power and like, you know, the craving of, I don't want to say having it together because pretending that you're possessed. I don't know if, you know, but Hey, you know, well, I think something that really sticks out to me now is that both Betty and Ruth, like the more, the next morning are like paralyzed in bed that kind of like they're on the same page of acting almost like they've been, haunted or possessed in a way and wondering how did they get there like they already kind of had this shared idea like unless like they met up to talk about like i don't know like maybe when they're running out of the forest after getting caught they're like we're gonna do this in the morning well i think it's implied (laughs) that they're a bit younger though right yeah so i think that that could be like a sincere fear of like oh my gosh like i'm in trouble you know and i think that the I don't want to say the play does like a are they aren't they about like some of them actually being possessed, but that's kind of how it felt reading it. The movie, not quite so much, but like I remember reading the play, like there's a sense like are some of these girls actually possessed or not? And like, I don't I don't think so. You could chalk it up to messy writing, but I just I don't think that's the case. But I also it don't just, have a full it stands grasp. out to me that they both have the same idea. Yeah. In yeah. separate homes. I think to like not wake up. I think it's also, you know, there's that, there's that part when Mary, when they, um, they say faint, like, like you did before, because when she fainted, she had gone cold Mm -hmm. and they're like, can you do that again? And she's like, I can't, I can't do it again. Like she got caught up in the moment. I think that there's, I mean, when you like, accept something in your mind that it that it is the case then like your body can react in that way like there are times where i'm like i'm a bit of a hypochondriac so i'm like oh i have this disease and then like immediately i feel the symptoms you know and it's and it's it's not real but i feel it what i'm feeling is real but it's sure. all in my sure. so maybe yeah. that plays a little bit of, of, yes. an, of an effect on it like why mary fainted and went cold because she got so into this 
game. Maybe that was the same with, was it Ruth and Betty, the little girl? Maybe they, Mm -hmm. and also I'm sure they were scared too that they got caught, but that they just got so into this that their bodies did the same thing. Yeah, I I, I feel (laughs) like it's like you think about the, the dancing in the woods of young girls caught up in literally expressing their desires and like trying to have this ritual where they're calling in the love of all of these people and, and like literally just stating it out loud and envisioning it as true and dancing and, and creating this ritual space where it's like it you can see that idea of getting swept up and embodying that moment um, and how that almost becomes a metaphor for the entire play like the entire elaboration yes. of accusations of witchcraft throughout the whole community how literally coming together in a shared desire and just really allowing it to to come out can actually fuel either exhilaration or disaster so I totally see that idea of like you know if you're 16 you're dancing around a fire in the middle of the woods and you're saying like oh I'm gonna make it so that so-and-so loves me and -and so-and-so loves me and we're all just sharing it and dancing and taking off our clothes like no wonder people are having those somatic responses you know just like literally becoming overwhelmed by it yeah I think I do I I definitely agree I I think that also because I also had questions like how how is it because there's also there's the part of me that's like when Abigail sees sees the yellow bird so to say the um the person like grabs her and he's like oh she's cold she's shivering I'm like is she actually like how could she get her body to do that or is he just so caught up in it too that he's like yeah yes yeah yeah." like they're they're so far in like the whole town is so far into this game I like how you put that very frankly like game that maybe he's the one agreeing with it but I think yeah this idea that because they are so emotionally and mentally involved that physically they become involved too yes well and i think that there's not an active thought in the you know in those judges heads but i think by that point like in their heart of hearts there's probably like a thing of well i need this to be true like i can't have like we've gone too far for this to all be like what mary warren and john proctor are are saying like yeah like we've gone too far for this to just be like a little mistake that we've made so i think that like there is that sense when you need something like kind of like how sky was talking about when you need something to be true like you kind of make a lot of um amends for that and you know your brain kind of fills in the missing gap so i also think that, that that's a level of of what's happening too i think it says something and because they're all men, I'll say of like, you know, masculine pride of like, well, we can't, and even like religious pride, like we're the reverends and the judges, we can't be wrong. So there's kind of like, oh no, like, you know, good, she's cold, <laughs> you know, like what a relief. It actually reminds me of, have you ever read the play, The uh, Elephant's Graveyard or heard of it? I've heard of it. Yeah, it's, I had the great honor of being in it in college and it was amazing where Uh, based off of a true story in Tennessee, um, where in the early 20th century, there was a traveling circus and an elephant accidentally trampled and killed um, a townsperson. Um, And the town had this uprising where they all decided to hang the elephant, literally. And they hung the elephant. It's really gruesome and really grim. And um, the playwright basically 
took the cast and he he split it into circus people and townspeople. And so there's those like the performers who are in the actual circus and the townspeople. And I played this woman, the muddy townsperson, who is all about hanging the elephant. And she literally, but her backstory is that she has a very traumatic past where she lost her husband. It's kind of unclear. She's just sinking into the mud. Everything's covered in mud. And she sees the elephant as like a symbol of redemption of like putting all of her pain on this elephant and getting it over with. And so I just keep thinking of that play where there's so much about taking our own trauma and amplifying it and seeing things that we need to see and finding truth that might not actually be there and for the sake of personal redemption. And what's really crazy about this one character in Elephant's Graveyard is that um, after the elephant is hanged, um, she has this line where she said, and I'm, I'm not going to use the actual term, but they, she basically says they, they hung that elephant for nothing. And she uses a, she uses a, she uses profanity, but she basically realizes like it was for nothing. It didn't do anything. Mm. It didn't eradicate my pain. And so it's really interesting to think of Ab Abigail Williams, like literally watching these hangings, just like, like it's a movie as you were saying sky and to like yeah. feel this like, Oh yes. Um, but in elephant's graveyard to like have that realization of like, Oh, that actually wasn't what needed to happen. But I think there's a lot of that here. Like, like you were saying, Zach, the need for something to be true, even if it's not true. And to also put your own desire for redemption onto a situation of some kind that leads to yeah. someone's death and lots of people's deaths. Yeah. Well, I really liked in the movie how like, you know, it, it starts with the two ladies who the town thinks is like, you know, beneath them, like, Oh, these are like the, the trashy ladies. Like, there which is too and then i like how it started with just like one guy is grumpy with his neighbor but then how gradually the town mindset became like oh the old man raised his cane and then my fire went up like i guess because all these other things have been happening like it's kind of the thing like someone telling a lie or someone like doing hurting other people for their own gain actually has more of a ripple effect than you might think they did a really good job casting and a really sweet person for mr jacobs because i was sobbing when it got I there i was like God. how dare they i know it like broke me same with uh rebecca and i don't remember her husband the nurses i was like you can't do this to yeah, me yeah no but yes i i like what you were saying that it was a it kind of started out to be okay because like i mean this is an awful idea but they were like well they're the town trash so we can get rid of them like you know but and well and unfortunately kate you brought this point up it's like and tichaba who we don't person. care about like you know and i i yeah let's talk about it well tichaba <laughs> also is the first person they throw under the bus of like well she was the one who started it all she was like yeah and it's kind of one of those things where like i get that arthur miller is trying to say something yeah but unfortunately, he's not saying it very well. Like, I agree. Tichaba is not a character. Like, she's in the thing. It's like, oh, she talks like this and talks like that. Like, it's it's very much like it's it's almost like shorthand for like, 
well, how do we say something about these people? Like, oh, well, the slave, they're treating her poorly and saying all this. So that way we don't really need to like dive into the characters. You see it and you get it. But it's sad because it is at the expense of like an entire like culture. Yeah. And I wonder too, like the motive. I mean, I didn't do really extensive research on his i i mean I'm, specifically I'm with tichuba that's what i mean i i did with the play and movie yeah i didn't but, even read the book before we came i'm kidding like i you know this the play was published in you know the height of segregation like you know so what it, what was arthur miller wanting society to receive from this like i i don't know i don't know what his intentions were i mean she is also the only slave yes. mentioned in the entire play like say. and in the movie too we only see her like we don't see anybody else yeah. owning anyone like so you know it, it makes you wonder like I, that doesn't excuse i mean of course you know we know how it comes across we 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 know also too like you know what it means we can look at culture and history we we know but i do wonder like was was he attempting to say something or was it just a you know a blind nature of like you know we are like racist people in our nature right we have to overcome Mm -hmm. and recognize you know how to be actively anti-racist so like there's also that aspect you know i i just wonder where his perspective was coming from well i feel like there was there was like no wrap-up of her character either like she disappeared i was like what where did she because we see all the other girls and they're there and we see the other characters that we see at the beginning throughout the book and she just disappears yeah. i'm like where where did she like we never really got Hello? <laughs> like, ending you know and i feel like it's like a throwaway line where they're like the, she got sent back to barbados yeah did she yeah. I think in the play it says that, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Well, yeah. The movie definitely said it. And well, then, the movie, uh, yeah. the movie had her with all the women who were like, yes. I guess imprisoned at the, the end. And I was like, wait, but she confessed. Like, I thought the whole point yeah. was like she confessed to help herself. But you know, then it's also like, well, is it because she's a slave? They're like, yeah, but no. never- like you know, yeah. I I just you know because I almost think it would be. It's it's like an unnes it's it's unnecessary in many ways because Tichiba isn't developed as a person with any kind of agency or like three dimensional story or um, a significant role. I would say in the, like even in the in the movie it comes across as like the first accusation um, where it's like oh she was there at the dancing ritual and she was the one who was um, kind of leading the cauldron brewing situation in the movie at least is presented as she's the one who's gathering the girls together and so as as a movie watcher it was like oh well of course they're going to go to Tichiba because she was there with the girls and she's going to be the first point of accusation but then then it just then from there it it completely deflates um yeah i think it would have been more powerful just to have have it just be the girls themselves which is the case in the play right where it's just the girls who create that yeah 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 so i thought also yeah it's, it's kind of like easy target it's like um we, we were doing we we're dancing in the woods because of tichaba yeah, yeah. Which, and i do want to i do want to shout out i think the actress who played tichaba like oh, is doing some heavy lifting in that movie though her name is i just looked it up charlene woodard like Oof. good job because again like you were saying kate there's not a lot on 
on the page for her. Like it's a pretty one note character, but she made that like her feel so sympathetic. Like I was like, stop, like leave her alone. Everyone. Yes. Yes. There is this article that Arthur Miller did write. I didn't read it. I should have, didn't have time <laughs> for the New Yorker. That's it's literally, he calls it why I wrote the crucible. Um, so I want to read it and mm-hmm. see if he, if he mentions anything about Tichuba or just, yeah. um, you know, his interpretation of, of history, but cause it would have been a very white population is the thing like historically would have been very white. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Check back uh, next week for our second episode on the crucible, the crucible (laughs) Two Puritan drift. A look into the New Yorker article. (laughs) Which Kate will read. (laughs) Yeah. I know that. I mean, in his preparations for writing the play, Arthur Miller did take real names of people involved. I mean, we don't know a lot about their, you know, what their life was like, but I do. I, uh, Tituba was the first person like in the Salem witch trials to be sure. accused of witchcraft. Sure. Um, so that, I mean, tracks like, <laughs> I think, but yeah, yeah, it, and I can only, only assume like in real life that had to root back to, racism i mean the first person accused of witchcraft is an enslaved woman like absolutely but there would have been so much opportunity like if he was like he still could have done so much more um but again i think thinking about the context of in which he wrote the play is important yeah yeah to quote friend of the show mitch dupree i don't know do you want to maybe say something (laughs) (laughs) so i think maybe just to switch gears make uh to the other side of the story with John and Elizabeth. What were you thinking? I was, <laughs> about, I was about to say my boy. And I was like, not my boy. John Proctor is not my boy. Definitely I mean, not. <laughs> in the play, the whole second act is at the Proctor house. Um, yeah. So we see John and Elizabeth interacting. We see Mary Warren there. Um, I think in the second, I can't fully remember. I think that's when Reverend Hale shows up. Which but. every time I see this done, the actor who plays John Proctor, because I think there's like, there's so many people who know that character. They think, oh shoot, I'm playing John Proctor. I better like, you know, button up. They always play him like honorably the whole way through. And like what I said to you while we were watching is, I love how Daniel Day-Lewis, he's like, he's a creep. Like when he's talking to her and he's like, you'll be placed in the stocks before you're 20. I'm like, this guy <laughs> is a creep. Like he's not yeah, playing him so as like, weird. I'm an upstanding good dude. No, he's playing him as like the guy who's like 30 and is dating a 17 year old and like drops her off at high school. Like he is a creep in this movie. And I like, I loved that. Like, and I loved seeing the character arc too. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is who John Proctor is. He's not like this. I was a good man who was tempted. It's like, Nah, he is like a bad dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's what makes it the most interesting, like seeing that character arc because the the honorable character is at the beginning and then they're honorable throughout the whole thing and then they're honorable at the end. It's boring, you know, like nobody can relate to that. Mm-hmm. You think of just characters that, that are like that. I mean, they're cool and it's like, good for you. That's awesome that you stayed good the whole time, but I can't relate to that. No other human being can because we all make mistakes. Maybe we're not creepy like John Proctor at the beginning. (laughs) We make mistakes. And I think it's just better to have a relatable character that does go through that character and is honorable at the end, which is what I appreciate about his character. Yeah. And I think, too, something that really stuck out to me was 
um, I really liked seeing the interactions between Elizabeth and John, at least in the film. I like seeing it visual, uh, visualized because yeah. Elizabeth is so nice to him. But you can tell there's so much like when, when oh. she has to talk to him, she's nice to him. Oh, but you I can dis- just tell there is so much. I disagree. I felt like everything she said to him was super pointed and I loved it. Well, I was okay, like, yeah, get him. That's em. a good point. Get him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the scene where the guy shows up and he's like, uh, he's like, do you know your 10 commandments? And like, he goes through nine. And he's like, I don't. And she just goes adultery, John. And I was like, I, lo- I love her so much. Like that's, the, I was like, get him, get him. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. what I loved about John Proctor's character is that like you want to see in him this stereotypical image of authority of the the righteous man who's on his homestead and you know he's in the field in the movie i'm thinking the movie too like daniel day lewis is like in the fields and he's doing all of the traditional tasks and um the play just completely explodes this idea of what it means to be an authority in a family too where he even the husband and wife dynamic is completely transformed um and challenged and um he immediately comes into the picture too, as someone who has abused his authority in many ways, as you were saying, Zach, like the fact that Abigail's literally kind of living as like a ward in their house. And he is like the owner of the house. And and she's like, basically a child, like they've been, they've adopted in a way. And so there's this huge, weird abuse of authority immediately in his character um, that he's like, he kind of admits, but also doesn't. He admits it in a really interesting way, both to Abigail and to Elizabeth and to the people of the town. Um, and so I, I see in his character just like right away this idea of, um, you know, what is authority and is authority ever, are we ever able to maintain it? And can authority always be honorable or is it not? Um, yeah. But I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis is amazing. I just have to, yeah. can I just point that out there? Like, yeah. oh, so good. He was great. So good. And yeah, really good. I love, Zach made a great point when we were watching it about how, after that happens, right? After you find out your husband's been sleeping with your, like, yeah, like you said, kind of like maid, but also your child that you yeah. somehow adopted. <laughs> how do you, how do you hire Mary Warren? Like, what is the thought process going into that of like, yes. okay, I am trusting another young girl to come into my home. Like, it makes me think well, they don't think too highly. Like, well, how she's like, the polar opposite of, of like, Ab, of Abby Williams. Yeah. Whereas like, she's more gentle and she's nice and she's sweet. But like, you know, and I'm not trying to say anything about Elizabeth, but I think it's one of those things like, no, the problem isn't necessarily with who you're hiring. <laughs> the problem is with your husband. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I it just, it, it, you think, okay, how, how much time has passed? Because now I'm like, how much time has passed that she's okay to let someone back in? Or do they just have to have someone because they need someone to help out with the work that they have to do? Like, is it like she doesn't want to do this, but they need, they need it. Yeah. And it, yeah, I, I mean, you feel so bad for elizabeth because it she has to do so much that she doesn't want to do or i'm assuming she doesn't want to do i mean how do you overcome how do you how do you cope with the events that are happening only then to just be accused of witchcraft 
and like everything goes wrong. And then even into like to the point in the trial where she defends John and says that his relationship with Abby was not physical whatsoever, like that she had suspicions, but nothing happened like to that point where she was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this. Not knowing that he had already confessed. Like, so I, I just got really excited because I, I found out like just like hearing hearing you break it down, like kind of reaffirmed something that I was thinking The the crucible is about people who like lie and abuse their power and they lie and abuse it more and more and more. And like everybody does it, like even like Reverend Hale, who's like kind of the least bad, like you kind of get the sense from him. He's like, yeah, I'm a big deal. And like what I say has a lot of pull. And you see, he kind of like starts to swing back over to wait, maybe something's off. But you see like everyone, everybody in this play is lying everybody's lying Every, everyone's lying and and they're going on and on and on like that but the only person who doesn't is goody proctor but she gets done in when she lies like when and when it's for the sake of her husband so like i think there's a really like beautiful thing in this about like tell the truth you know the truth shall set you free and like oh that's uh, arthur miller he's a he's a pretty good writer I, I think too, I, I just, I just double checked because I wanted to make sure that this was, um, an accurate fact. Um, but his son, Robert Miller was involved in the producing and it said he was an assistant director. I don't know if he was assistant directing on this film, but he was involved in this process. So in the film process, so it makes you, so then you wonder how much of, uh, because you know, I like that the movie explores more than just what's in the play i mean to fill time of course like you know to make that transition from stage to screen smoother like i like it because i like to see more of the characters but it you know i wonder too about what was maybe arthur miller intending to put in the story that what did that didn't make the final cut you know of these themes and i liked that it becomes so intricate that you can pull so much from it so moving into i think our final discussion into the trials but i think also bringing in the judges, Judge Danforth and Reverend Hale, this idea of I am now accusing people of witchcraft because it is my religious duty to do so, like and taking that like kind of what you mentioned, like the judges don't want to be wrong. The girls now have this group mind mob mentality, like group they are mind. like one. I'm sorry. <laughs> they are like one now. And Mary Warren's kind of breaking out of that and they are going to use that against her. like until she breaks like this whole idea this final build-up sequence that leads to the death of of john i i mean i love the the quote in the movie of winona Ryder when she said well i don't love it but i love (laughs) i love it where she says like i am god's finger john if god wants elizabeth condemned she will be condemned like this is my purpose from what turned into, I want your wife dead so I can be with you. And now I'm manipulating you by saying like, well, this is my religious purpose. I think think it's so, I I think what's so powerful about it is that it is so scary. I completely agree with you, Sky. Like this scares me, but it excites me at the same time because I like seeing it. Like I like seeing the drama, like this idea that they're all willing to manipulate their religious beliefs for the sake of being right or being powerful at the at the trials it's like they have to turn to something that can be unquestioned in a way like the ultimate authority which here is religious authority which you know 
is, is ambiguous. Like, Oh, I, it's, you know, I have to accuse you of witchcraft because of my religious followings and teachings. Um, but it's like, it's interesting that that becomes the only source of unquestioned truth um, mm. is faith itself, which is also interesting because the word faith also has to do with believing in a perceived truth. And the whole play is about who is actually true and um, what does it mean to like believe someone when they say that they are innocent versus believing someone when they say that they actually did commit a crime. So it's like, it's, it's, I just find it interesting that that becomes the final resource um, at the end of it, that we can't, rely on what all these humans are saying so let's go to the final resort resort like that's all that we have left we're here at the end of the road and i think arthur miller you know i i, I love how you i love how you made that face sack with like oh it's my religious duty to, to call you out on witchcraft like it also puts into question like what that duty is and what that authority is i think it's i think it's interesting though at least in i just recently watched the movie i haven't read the whole play until since high school for the first time no, no, no. I, I rewatched the movie. Um, but like we, we're talking about religious authority and all that and like going to the like ultimate source. However, there is like no point where they're like, Lord, help us make the right decision. It's always like, well, I'm in authority and they're all human, you know, like they have these titles, but they're never going to God about calling another white man. <laughs> exactly. So they're just using a title and thinking that they're God. So well, when so you I... have a whole bunch of people thinking that they're God, disaster is mm -hmm. obviously going to happen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And also even too, I think from the beginning, you know, I, you see Reverend Hale come to a point of self-awareness at the end, but at the beginning of, oh, oh well he knows. Yeah, 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 yeah. He knows what to do about this. Let's bring him in. Thinking that that's maybe what's going to get them closest to finding out the truth. But then you just quickly realize people want to accuse people for the sake of it. I mean, Goody Putnam is accusing everyone left and right, trying to figure out who is responsible for murder, like murdering her twins, when maybe like that was just the way life was going to happen, that she was going to lose the twins, mm -hmm. like that it didn't have to be a person cursed her to this. Mm -hmm. So also neglecting to accept as part of her faith that sometimes we go through really awful stuff like bad things happen and we have to come to terms with that like you see it too, she's neglecting to acknowledge that yeah well, well even also on the flip side i love when uh abigail williams starts to get a little upset about reverend hale and she goes to them and she goes last night reverend hale reverend hale's wife came to me in my dream and like nope Nah, like, <laughs> no, like life. Abby, nah, like that's enough. Thank you. No, like I thought that that was so brilliant because it's like, yeah, these guys who are like supposed to be the representative, like you were saying, Sky, like these men represent God, which, you know, if your view of God is that he is truthful and he is good and he is just, these guys just kind of showed their hand in that, but we have favorites though. So, you, you know, then that, yeah. I, like total side note, but I thought it was really interesting of just Abigail's reputation and how it changed of like, I remember they said something about, you know, whenever Abigail walks in town, people split like, like the Red Sea and like they part ways for her to walk through and they're like, God bless you whenever she walks through. And then at that last part in the end where, yeah, she's talking about Reverend Hale's wife and they're like, 
get out of here. Like, we're not listening to you. And then she walks out in town and it's a total change of like, people are like, you know, I hope God, uh, uh, was it has mercy on you and, and things like that or like get away from her. And I thought that was just so interesting how it's like her reputation is just tarnished and righteously. So, you know, she oh, got yeah. what, what was coming for her. Well, and even too like when, when John's at the trial and he starts calling Abigail a whore, we know his motives behind that, right? Obviously he's angry about Elizabeth being um, accused of witchcraft, but there's also a sense of like, Maybe he doesn't want to admit that like he had some doing in this. Like the affair was not just Abigail. Like he also made a decision like, you know, and then he admits to it, but it still kind of takes that, you know, he's it's it to me. I think that's where we start to see this idea of he's tarnishing his name, which is his, his whole point at the end of like, you know, this is my name. This is my honor by admitting to adultery. Uh, but then also when he is confronted with, you know, signing the paper, like also not mentioning faith or the Lord in any aspect, oh, you know, he talks about like, I built a roof on that church. Like I, I'm there, I know my commandments, but at the end, there's no sense of faith going into that, but he is again, just kind of going back to, no, it's my name. This is me, you know, it, and, and what it is honorable. It's also, it's an interesting take that, is it not just his name? Do we think there's also the sense that he's wanting to protect Elizabeth's name as well? I mean, poor woman's been like dragged through the mud by everyone else. Like, is this, is part of it like, if I can save any sort of sense of pride for my own wife, that I will? Yeah. Well, I, I think that we also, yeah, it's, it feels like it's kind of the same thing of like, he wants to save his reputation at the beginning, which is why he doesn't tell anybody about the affair. And then at the end, it's like, it, it seems like he's trying to save his reputation too. Oh, he's saying it's my name because I can't get another name, but it's different, um, which I think is just so interesting how it can seem the same, but it's not. Um, that you're absolutely right, Hannah, of like, like, it's not just about me. You know, it's not just about what people are gonna think about me. It's what are people gonna think about my family, or if I do this, what are people going to think about other people, you know, and, and how, how can I just like stop this as much as I can, or what, what power do I have right now to just put an end to this yeah. craziness of, of the lies and stuff. So I think that it's so interesting of he's not just saving himself, that he's saving like countless other people by standing mm -hmm. up and saying, no, yeah. I give into this anymore. Well, I even, <laughs> And, and to kind of like circle back around to like what we were talking about earlier with like people abusing their power. I love that. Like in the movies and title one, I love how the movie ended. I was like, this was a dark ending. <laughs> Nothing is tied up in a nice little bow. Oh, like it leaves yeah. you a, with a lot to like unpack. But I love that on the title screen, they essentially were just like, we were going to have to <laughs> hang too many people. So we stopped. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's bananas yeah. you know it's yeah it's almost like you know john if you if you're i don't know like if you just hadn't been one of the first people who was going to go be hung you probably would have been saved because like eventually they're like well this is getting ridiculous yeah. now yeah yeah well i think it also it also said that more and more people just decided to not yeah 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 and that it did have to i think it was 19 right 19 people yeah. Yeah, that's crazy that like it took 19 people to say, no, I'm not going to lie. 
for it to eventually just be like, oh, well, we can't hang that many people anymore. Or even too, with uh, we haven't mentioned, is it Giles? Giles Corey? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it's pronounced. The fact that he just like, again, yeah, won't give in and says, no, more weight, put more weight on top of me. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not admitting to this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is. It is. Did you ever, did we ever fact check that about saying the Lord's prayer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, which is in their minds, witches can't say the Lord's prayer. So them saying the Lord's prayer before they get hung is like a huge, like, this is stupid to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Which, and I don't want to take any, you know, like, I don't want to take anything away from, cause I don't believe that that's in the play. Yeah, I, 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 I like that. read it really fast yesterday. Um, I don't believe it's in the play where they talk about the, the, where they do the Lord's prayer at the end. So I don't, you know, the director's intent could be like, John has finally like come to grasp with, you know, his faith or whatever, but it also is like a bit of a, you know, this is stupid to everyone yeah. else. And I love, I, I mean, I prefer the, um, I prefer the play ending with Abigail that she just runs away. Yeah. Like once John is accused of witchcraft, that, that's why this all started, right? I guess my like, work is done. <laughs> she she said to Tituba that she wanted her to do a spell to kill Goody Proctor. So they started accusing everyone. Well, no, to me, it's Abigail's a coward. Now she has to confront, like, she's killing the man that she loves, who does not love her back. Like, who, I think, his relationship with her was purely physical. I think that he enjoyed that satisfaction, but I don't think there was any sense of love on her on his end on her end it's there you know but she runs away because she's a she cannot confront what she has done because she is a coward like like that's what it is like i at least in my in my perspective and i just i like that she just disappears she flees in the night and no one knows like we don't know what happened i mean we don't know what she was like in real life either but like we know that she's gone. And I, I like that they do have that scene, though, in the movie about Reverend Hale's wife. I like this kind of idea. And I like that they show. Is that awful if I say that I like that they kind of show the hangings? Like, I like that ending, that it's very somber and dark. You were with the girls in the front. Yay! No, no, no. Because I think what it is, is it. I, I kind of like In the movie, feel, it feels like people are dying. You feel yeah. awful at the end because this is like this happened. Like, yeah, 19 people. Okay died over 200 people were accused like this town over like a year like got so much havoc like and and, like destruction for people so i like that you kind of leave with that like yeah this really happened but um yeah i think you know in thinking about the fact that a lot of those executions were publicly witnessed it was a something where everybody came and saw it the fact that it's very it was very visible in the film i think is reiterative of that fact like from a historical perspective like people would literally watch these women and individuals get burned at the stake like historically um, well, what else are we gonna do look at the barn like yeah like so you know it's it's a public highly highly viewed execution yeah um and i think i i also appreciated the fact that they didn't veer away from that because it also it really hits home the horror of it like oh, wow, this is what we have come to. And it's just 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 knowing like the plot summary, like, oh, yeah, a lot of people are hung at the end is enough. But then actually going into it and really showing it, I think, I don't know, I think it added the impact that is necessary. Like, this is what one 
like the first pointed finger did like that's all that had to happen mm-hmm. was like yeah you're a witch <laughs> this is what it yeah. led to <laughs> Yeah, it was it was incredibly dark and emotional. I mean, like as soon as the screen went black, I mean, first thing I saw was my face reflected in the screen of just like tears coming yeah, down. Just like <laughs> Okay, yeah, like <laughs> I get it. Like I I'm feeling this. Yeah. But Sky, yeah. you have such a way with words. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, there we go. That's me. That's Abin. <laughs> I did this. I was about to say all the. Well, have I done this? Well, I don't. I don't think I've had anyone hung. But no. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then you. <laughs> I didn't mean like I saw my reflection. I'm like. Yeah. yeah no. Like, have I have I blindly agreed with confident people and like you know other people have been hurt as as a result. Yeah. You know? Have my my wants and desires led to people getting hurt? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's. Hard. You took that to way think- deeper than what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, like, I just saw You that. set the table, <laughs> I brought it. Yeah. <laughs> and now to think that, like, we as a society, <clears throat> and, and me too, like, I'm in, I'm in this. I'd love to visit Salem someday during Halloween time. Because they talk about this during Halloween. Like, they do events, like, to 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 share about the history. I it's scare not just, easily. I'm afraid. Well, that's why we go in the daytime. I'm afraid like, they're going to see me and they're going to be like, the witches are back. Get them. The sun is up. We're there. <laughs> like, but like we have, I mean, I love those Abigail Williams jokes. I like we as a society have now also, there's a bit of humor behind this event, you know, that this happened. I mean, we talk about it. We see it historically. Like Salem has events that talk about the history of this, like. Well, I mean, that's what they're known no, I'm, for, I'm, right? Like, yeah, I, on the one hand, I'm like, I don't know how appropriate. That I think like is. there's a school in Salem because uh, we have we have some friends who grew up in Salem. Like, I think like the mascot of one of the schools is the witches. Like, well, I feel like culturally, people kind of came in and they're like, no, like we're claiming this town. Like, yeah, this know, is yeah. our history mm-hmm. here. So it's, and then you watch this movie and you kind of or, or and read the play too, and you kind of walk away with this heaviness, like. Should we should we do this? Because I feel like I yeah I take away these lessons. I'm there's a heaviness, and it's 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 all deep stuff. It's every movie during Christian Girl Autumn has left me so like sad. Like Mary Magdalene with Rooney Mara and Joaquin Phoenix bummed me out. Grace Unplugged. (laughs) Grace Unplugged bummed me out. This movie bummed me out, like but in a good way. Next next week with our final. (laughs) Oh god! What a great what a. I I love the idea that um I I put my letterbox review after this movie that Abigail girl bossed too close to the sun um because she <laughs> there's something I I I just thought it was so funny to put Abigail and Elizabeth and all the all the young girls too up for Christian Girl Autumn that this was like <laughs> um that was my motive I'll I'll share well folks it's about that time where we're going to use our manners just like when they offer you before church after church uh hot cup of coffee when i offer you more of the crucible are you gonna say yes please or no thank you hey i've got the coffee here would you like a cup poured i'm gonna (laughs) say can you pour me four ounces with a lot of um honey in it because i think i need a small dose (laughs) yeah 
quick side note, I also love honey in my coffee. Oh, my girl. <laughs> it's the best. I know. It's the best. It is amazing. Anyway. It blows my mind every time. And yeah, anyways. <laughs> um, because I think that um, sociologically, I really enjoy the crucible. I think in terms of something that I would return to as a, as a piece of literature over and over again, I'm not sure I would return to it a lot as I would say The Green Knight or Shakespeare. Um, but that is only because I think, um, well, I'm not quite sure why. I think it's just something that, that I would like to savor in small doses. All right, Sky, would you like a cup of coffee? Sometimes, yes. It, I guess it depends. If I drink too much coffee, I'll get too jittery. And I feel like that's that's kind of the same thing with the Crucible. If, I, good. if I take too much of it, it's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna have an effect. <laughs> it's very dark, <laughs> I guess it's very dark. Uh, yeah, I can't take it in too much, but I would love to like be in the play. I would see the show. Um, I'd probably watch that movie a couple, few more times. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the play. I enjoy watching the movie again. Um, but yeah, not something I can take in all the time. It's not like Lord of the Rings where I'm like, I gotta watch that. Oh yeah, like every, <laughs> every month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every month. Altered. Exactly. Extended. Don't Extended. put it. Yes, the extended. <laughs> Don't put it past me. <laughs> Zach, would you like a cup of coffee? Yeah. yeah um, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to bear my shame on the show. I have, and you've witnessed this, a very unhealthy relationship with coffee. I do about like five black cups of coffee a day in the morning and like Hi. I'm I'm not okay like um I I have a little mug it's a but <laughs> it yeah but um yeah I I love coffee and I like a a dark a dark dark roast and that's what this is it's very dark and bitter and uh you know friend of the show Brandon Sharp he said to me at one point, I need you to stop recommending movies to me because they're leaving me so sad. <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, that's that's uh, who I am. Like when we had Neil on the show and he was like, this movie kind of bummed me out. Like, I can't watch too much like this. I was like, no, bring it, bring it on, bring it on. Uh, so that's kind of how I am with this. And again, to step back to the lens of what we were talking about just a couple seconds ago with the other movies we've watched this month that are like, half saying this half saying that and like they're not doing they're not telling their story very well i like something that goes hard into the paint with this you know yeah. something that just is going like this is dark and it's tough to sit through and it's gonna make you ask a lot of questions but you know what audience like this is what you need to, you know drink your coffee take your vitamins like you know i yeah. feel like it asks it asks a lot of the audience it definitely asks a lot of the audience. That being said, I'm ready to answer with a yes, please. Ooh. Very good. I can confirm Zach's coffee mug is smaller than the ordinary coffee mug. 
So okay, I feel I feel a little bit more relieved about your it's health. It's a little better. Four, <laughs> four ounces, my coffee and pour. <laughs> <in my mug. laughs> four ounces. Four ounces. <laughs> I will say, I uh, yes, please. I I mean, that's the reason why we chose this, right? Like, I love this, and I when I was putting together Christian Girl Autumn, I was like, I want to talk about this mostly because I think whenever so much good conversation can come from it because of how much everyone, like so many different things you can take from it. And I like how timeless it is. You know, we will always have this human struggle of accusing people for the sake of self-satisfaction, like, or, you know, that, that abuse of power, religion, you know, what not. I love analyzing it. My like biggest regret in life is living in New York at the time that Saoirse Ronan was in The Crucible because she's like my favorite actress and not seeing it because it would have been incredible. I know. I love her. I know. I love her too. I they, I can't remember everyone else who's in the cast, but yeah, I see it just it's so fun. I, I for such a dark story. It's so fun to talk about, um, which I don't know. That's OK, but what? <laughs> Well, I, I, I guess just to wrap up, I want to say a huge thank you to both Kate and Sky for being on this episode. This was such a good time, and I think will be a great, great episode. Uh, definitely a great addition to Christian Girl Autumn. Um, it's the only good movie we've talked about so far. <laughs> Michael like, is going to be so mad though because he loved Mary he Magdalene. Like Mary so Michael. I should. I should Sorry, Michael. Michael, I, I apologize. <laughs> um, before we go, do either of you have anything that you would like to plug? Um, yeah, it could be literally anything. Mitch has plugged his LinkedIn account, so really, it could be literally. <laughs> <That's hilarious. laughs> oh, I don't know if I have any upcoming projects. I know um, we just did through ISP a really great reading of Macbeth. So if you want to go to YouTube and watch it, it already happened on Halloween weekend, but I am Lady Macbeth in it, and it was a very, very fun reading. Um, so there's that. I don't think I have any other performances or anything coming up creative-wise, but that'll probably change soon. Sky, do you have anything you would like to plug? I actually do. Um, yeah, crazy cool thing. So I'm in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I'm in charge of our drama group. And we are actually putting on a Christmas show that I am directing slash wrote. So amazing. that's amazing. Yeah. First, first time like putting a show together and then like actually directing it. Um, so it's like with the teens and the kids. And it's it's like Jesus theater a little bit. So cool. Really cool. So it'll probably be live stream. And that's at the Salvation Army in Greensboro. Yeah. Sweet. Amazing. Yay. Zach, I don't know if you had anything. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, I also 
uh, directed a few scenes right. in an upcoming musical that'll be uh, in New York City on 14th Street. Um, I'll put the address and everything in the in the episode notes, but it is a musical entitled Crazy, Busy, Peaceful, Holy Night. I did a few of this. I directed a few of the scenes in there. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so if you're in New York City on December 5th, uh, come and check that out. And I don't know if it'll be live streamed or not, but like if, if you can see it in person, just just do that. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's uh, I think that's that's it right now nice. we'll be doing um a a goodbye episode on is it really uh relatively soon we'll be doing our farewell episode on there so uh series finale y'all so yeah make sure you check that out and if you're missing the real boys they'll they'll always be here on godfellas yep <laughs> mitch and brandon shall return um many a time they're here in spirit yeah they're in our retainer of guess. Yeah. <laughs> um I just want to plug a few things before we go. Of course, you know, my own personal plug. It's Christmas time is coming up. Um, Unbound is a group that I sing in. <laughs> that was a really awkward sing way of saying in. that. I'm a part of this group called Unbound. If you like the song Away in a Manger, I have a cover on it. You can get it on Apple or Spotify. Unbound, Away in a Manger. It's me. Um, I also, thank you, you. <laughs> want to plug our Instagram page. Uh, we are trying to do a lot more fun stuff, behind the scenes photos, questions, potential giveaways. Potential. Yeah. Potential. We, we might have some merch uh, coming out soon. We might have some merch and um, you should really check that out. That is at God Bella's the pod on Insta at God the pod. Check us out. We post all of our episodes and more. Um, and of course, tune in next week as we are in our last week of Christian girl autumn. I am excited. We've done, we've tried to do an alternating like dark movie, light movie, dark movie, light, like heaviness wise. Like. And it hasn't worked. <laughs> so our hope is that this next one will be um, a bit more lighthearted than the crucible, but um, so please tune in. It uh, should be a really good time. Until next time, I've been Goody Hannah. I've been uh, Mr. Zach, and I am not a witch! I've been Witchy Kate. And I'm Sky. <laughs> well, the adventure is over. We're all heading home. But I hope that you know, friends, you're never So, and I think. I'm sorry, I keep cutting sorry, you sorry. off. <laughs> no, it's. <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> we know it lags. It's it's totally right. We're Please. too polite. Oh, we're we're too nice to each other. <laughs> we would not. We would not actually create the crucible together, like as a community. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're not a witch. She could never be a witch. So we're good, right? <laughs> um, yeah. It well, kind no. of. What was I going to say? Uh,